No, Gene, but you should launder that launder. You should launder all of that money fast. Oh, wait, sorry, we're on. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> we we did that a few weeks ago, and I was like, let's keep it going. Anytime Gene's on, I'll like come in with like some end of a horrible story. Well, I didn't realize that Westlaw paid kickback money like that. <laughs> oh my God, would you stop in, in gold bars? <laughs> What, what Bob Menendez is your rep? What? Oh, wait a minute. I think we're on the air. Uh, welcome, <laughs> welcome everybody to another episode of Legal Tech Week, the show in which we talk about the top stories of the week. Uh, it's December 15th. Um, and uh, we're just realizing this probably should have been our year end uh, episode because we're probably not going to meet for the next couple of Fridays because of the holidays. But we'll, we'll do a year end episode uh, after the new year starts. Uh, but for those of you who are regular uh, listeners and watchers and followers of this show, I think we're taking the next two weeks off. So uh, that means you get to spend your Fridays doing boring Christmas and holiday stuff. Um, and uh, this is uh, uh, I am Bob Ambrogi. I have a blog called Law Sites and a podcast called Law Next. And we've got a full house of panelists here today. Uh, so let's go around and introduce ourselves, starting with uh, Caroline. Hello. Welcome. Hi, yeah, good to be here. Thank you so much. Um, my name is Caroline Hill. I'm editor in chief of Legal IT Insider. I've in the last three hours come down with a cold. Uh, so might, depending on how it goes, I might keep my talking to a minimum, but we'll see how it goes. But it's lovely to be here. Uh, you sound great. Don't worry about it. Uh, and Jean, uh, I'm Gino Brady, and I write the Dewey B Strategic blog, and I write a column, a monthly column for Legal Tech Hub. Jean and Nikki Black. My name is Nikki Black. I am the head of SME and external education at Finapay, parent company of my case and LaPay. I write uh, regular legal tech columns for ABA Journal, Above the Law and the Daily Record. And I also oversee and write the benchmark reports and the legal industry report that we put out uh, at on the my case and LaPay side of things. That's Nikki and Stephanie. I'm, hey there, I'm Stephanie Wilkins, Editor-in-Chief of Legal Tech News at ALM. Steve. Steve Embry here. I write the blog Tech Law Crossroads. Uh, and uh, Joe. Joe Patrice from Above the Law and the Thinking Like a Lawyer podcast. I am here uh, to just have the you know, like have the world crash in on me soon. Like I'm going to have most of the people that I'm hosting for holidays come in like 45 minutes. So this is my, this is the, you're seeing me the calm before a storm. All right. Well, I hope that doesn't interfere with your being able to start your drinking for the weekend uh, because we don't want to have any problems there. Apparently not. Um, <laughs> all right. Well, there's a lot to talk about this week, but maybe we have to start with the fact that the Schwartzes are back again uh, in their unavoidable, but Joe, what happened? Well, uh, I don't know as though, it, there is a weird coincidence about uh, Schwartz being involved, but I don't know as though that's really the important part. Uh, the, the key is Michael Cohen, who uh, we all may remember as Trump's fixer lawyer, who uh, ultimately has turned state's evidence against him. He's, you know, performed his duty and, delivered te good testimony and behaved himself. And his lawyer, uh, who happens to be named Schwartz, uh, decided to 
move to uh, terminate the supervised release that they agreed to as part of the plea uh, and delivered three examples, like cases in the Second Circuit that would say what, under what conditions supervised release could be alleviated. And the three examples were really on point, just exactly the situation at hand and exactly the kinds of reasoning that the, that he wanted. And um, they don't exist so much uh, when you try to look them up, uh, which brings back memories of prior Schwartz's uh, who had this issue in the uh, in the Malaysian air case. I do not think that it has anything to do with that, but that is obviously a weird coincidence that it is that people with the same name doing the same mistake. Uh, we don't know as though this is an AI thing, though we definitely know this is an AI thing. Uh, it's when you a glitch read, in the simulation. When you read the when you read these descriptions, it, it, the worst is it's not like this was in the middle of some like string site. It was uh, he had like whole paragraphs explaining what the cases were, and all of them echoed the exact same language, and that exact same language read like like how chat gpt answers when you ask it a specific question and then it rephrases it in at the end where it's like and this is exactly a situation in which the second circuit would have agreed with the district court blah blah blah. uh so it's really embarrassing uh it looks pretty bad we'll see what he hasn't responded to it yet so it's all allegedly at this point but it, it's bad um my, my, there's a lot to to unpack kind of generally about ChatGPT and all and about the laziness of lawyers, whatever. The one thing that struck me is that as problematic to get serious, uh, when you look at it, it appears as though the judge kind of figured this all out on, on his own. Uh, the other side hadn't necessarily flagged it. It seems as though uh, counsel for him, uh, prior counsel for him actually seemed to have figured out before the other, before the prosecutors. Uh, and that was troubling to the extent that it really suggests how, because Michael Cohen is a criminal docket that a lot of people pay attention to because it's pretty important and, you know, going to potentially take away the, pre the former president's whole business empire. Uh, there's a lot of people in the criminal justice system who don't have that kind of a uh, magnifying glass on their dockets. And I'm not altogether sure this would have been, things like this would have been caught otherwise. Obviously, terminating supervised release would be good for those defendants, uh, but I could imagine a lot more mischief happening to them too. I'm also wondering, this is making me wonder if all of the large companies that have AI and do create citation systems are going to have to have a new citation that's like a skull and crossbones that designates <laughs> cases that are completely toxic. Like the new flagging system is just the pirate yeah, flag? Exactly. <laughs> that's perfect. A little, uh, the new, uh, who uses that? Keysight? Do they use the little, the little flags, right? Everybody has their right. own version of red, white, red, green, and yellow, you know. Now it's going to be black and poisonous and dripping blood. <laughs> yeah. So, I, I mean, it's so we don't know that it's for sure it's ChatGPT or that they use ChatGPT or anything else at this point, right? But it just sure looks pretty suspicious. Like it, what your article said, I mean, the judge pointed out that like one of the one of the citations is just to like the, a random middle page of an actual reporter volume, but in a case that has nothing to do at all with this <laughs> particular topic. and. I mean, at least at least it was a real site, I guess, in a sense. That's something. Yeah. No, I mean, it 
if, if if people are going to like a, this seems like a pretty glaring case in a because cuts of the way in which the letter motion was written uh and it seems like a case where there was a lot of attention obviously but can you imagine like slipping a few bad cases into a long string site to make you know maybe one of the cases was real and then a bunch weren't and it makes it seem like the point of law is really overwhelming when it's not but nobody cares because it's like the eight millionth low-level drug case and the judge doesn't care and the prosecutors don't care like it, or the defense attorneys barely care like it, this could be that that's the sort of situation that could be real bad but you know i mean i'm going back to all of the major information vendors have things called brief checkers. And that is part of what brief checkers do. They mm. look at the authority and they they simply have to be upgraded to anticipate the possible existence of completely fictitious cases. Yeah. Well, I mean, in this case, we're dealing with uh, we're dealing with smaller firms on the defense side and um and I guess I guess the real question is why don't doesn't the government do that? Uh, and I don't know. Uh, maybe the government has the resources to do that, uh, assuming there's not a shutdown or something, uh, which there is every like five or six months. Uh, but I don't know. Like it'd be nice if they did that sort of thing, but uh, who knows? Well, I, I think first they have to streamline government using chat <laughs> using AI to streamline government. And then maybe we can get to that. <laughs> Another thing that's interesting is, I don't know if anyone saw, um, Carolyn Elephant is a friend of a lot of people. She's my co-author and she I'll put it in the chat. She posted on LinkedIn about how she suspects that some judges may be using AI in their orders. And I thought that was kind of interesting. Um, and she sort of suggested why she thought that was. But, you know, coming from the other side, are they using AI? I mean, we know that uh, someone in a... Columbia, if I recall, I can't remember. Yeah, That's it was Columbia. Yeah. yeah. But are the judges stateside doing that? I don't know. It's kind of interesting. So I posted that in the chat. You can let me know what y'all think if you look at her uh, post and why she thinks that. But it's interesting. It's showing up everywhere. All right. Well, Columbia, did we talk about that last week? Columbia is also where they did the, they did an ordinance. Is that what you're talking about the ordinance or the, not the judge? It was a, somewhere where they issued an ordinance and realized after the fact that it was the the, the uh, member of the board or, or city council or whatever it was that had submitted it and just created it in chat gpt and i think that was brazil brazil okay yeah that was brazil colombia was the judge that used chat gpt and the yeah, case okay. in the metaverse right, all right yeah. by, by the way i just looked at carolyn's post and there is a chat from someone who said that a dead giveaway that an ai wrote something is it says quote it is crucial end quote and that made me laugh <laughs> Well, also, like, if one of the parties is named Acme, I mean, that sounds like. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Acme Acme was used in hypos when I was around, too. And uh, this is. And important to know. Yeah. I mean, well, it, it, those of us of a Roadrunner and Wiley Coyote generation use Acme all the time. Right. Um, I will say I want. Yeah, maybe I want to clarify because uh, a joke, an in joke was made. And I want to make sure everybody is caught up on it this uh use of the word crucial thing is a theory that nikki ha and apparently also carolyn has that chat gpt is the only thing that uses the word crucial uh i disagree i use it all the time but I they use it all the time too yeah they believe that that's the well, sign the commenters for her post it wasn't carolyn so some other person i've never met oh, oh it wasn't carolyn okay never, all right yeah so 
All right. Well, we, we don't want lawyers using ChatGPT, but apparently in the UK, it is now okay for <laughs> judges to use ChatGPT. Um, yeah. And I, I guess, you know, sort of both, both Steve and, and Gene kind of cited the story, but Steve, I think you, you got dibs on it here. So you can. Yeah. You can well, yeah, I, I actually pulled up the guidance that um, <clears throat> the UK Judicial Council gave to judges. And, you know, I feel a little embarrassed talking about this when Caroline Hill has, who's in the UK has appeared I for the show. Love, I actually love the fact that this is your two story. <laughs> <This happens>. but, <laughs> uh, but you know, the thing that I thought was really kind of interesting about this is that the judicial council seemed to recognize that both judges and lawyers were going to use generative AI. And in fact, they, they described it as a potentially useful tool Um they gave some some really good definitions, um, distinguishing generative AI from artificial intelligence and talking about how AI generally had been used for some time. Um, they talked about the limitations. Uh, they described how the tool works. Um, they talked about privacy. They gave tips for how to maintain security. And you know, they, they went on to say that as a general proposition, they didn't see that there was any reason for litigants to disclose the use of generative AI as a, as a, as a general proposition. But they went on to say that it probably would be incumbent upon judges to periodically remind lawyers of their obligations and duties. And if they used uh, generative AI tools, the duties to check the sites and, and all of that. Interesting, and I talked about this in terms of the Fifth Circuit a while back, They, the Judicial Council went on to talk about the unrepresented uh, litigants and how it would not be fair for them to have to check sites because they would not have the access uh, and the, the sort of the, the, the knowledge or the sophistication to do that. And, you know, it, it kind of put a duty on the judges where they suspected if a, an unrepresented litigant had used generative AI that they needed to, to inquire about it. Um, they, they talked about some potential uses and some bad uses. And then the, so it kind of really interesting, particularly in light of our the discussion about Mr. Messers Swartz, um, they had a section at the end sort of hints about how judges could ferret out whether uh, generative AI had been, been used. And there were two things that stand out. One of them is, well, if there, if there are references to cases that have unfamiliar citations, sometimes from the United States. <laughs> and another key would be if the, if the document had U.S. spellings as opposed to, to uh, British spellings. Um, and then uh, if it had some substantive errors and things like that. I, I, I just thought it was um, sort of a mature um, you know, uh, studied uh, examination of the problem and and really recognizing that, you know, this this is here and we're not going to be able to to stop it. And the notion that we would ban it or, you know, put these duties, extra duties on lawyers and extra duty and tell judges not to use it and all that is, was, you know, is just not realistic. And so um, I thought it was, a, I, I mean, you know, it wasn't, perfect, I'm sure, but I thought it was a well-known, well-done uh, paper, um, a well-done instructional guide for judges that might be able to use. And then, you know, it sort of recognizes that, you know, a lot of judges don't have 
resources like we wish they would, then this is a potential solution for them. So that was well done. You know, I just want to say, I thought that they're, uh, when they say not recommended for legal research, I ass I assume they're talking about using GDP4 out on, on the internet, because I do think yeah. that commercial services are less risky, but I think everything has to have the caveat. You have to know how to do legal research. You have to know how to validate anything you find, even in a, in a really well curated legal research system that you're paying a bazillion dollars for. If it's yeah. AI, you still have to know how to do thorough legal research and site checking. So I thought they, they were overly broad in saying not to use it for legal research. They they did, I think in here, Gene, say a couple of times, they, they talked about publicly available generative AI tools. But interestingly, they did, they did point out that, you know, if you want to get good responses, you have to tailor and make kind of specific kind of requests and think through the problem that you really wanted to address. You can't just say, tell me about, you know, eminent domain and expect to get a, you know, an answer that helps you, which I thought was, you know, again, I mean, the, the people that wrote this, either they had, you know, good help or they'd really looked at it enough to, to understand some of the basic issues, which best I can tell from the U.S. judges, we with rare section, exception, we're not seeing that kind of studied response. <laughs> I agree. It came, Caroline, yeah. It came, um, so one of the, they, they were clearly already using it. So one of the judges in judge fashion said that uh, ChatGPT was jolly useful, jolly useful. Um, <laughs> and, I, and I think they realized that they had to, you know, get on it top of it. Judge Schwartz, right? It was just, <laughs> <laughs> Um, and they they've said you know there there is an element of recognizing reality. I guess there's the other thing is that all of this stuff. And as I was thinking through this, I was thinking, challenging myself, thinking, is this all public domain? You know, they're using Chat GPT, the public version, but presumably all of the information that they're putting in is going to end up in the public domain anyway. It's not like there's a kind of confidentiality issue. Um, and they said, um, you know, until until. The, people need to become familiar with it right um so um but yeah it's interesting that uh yeah i i, I think that they, they seem to be engaging with it really positively which is interesting for that generation um but whether I, there's gonna be some screw-ups right like i mean there's yeah. just there's gonna be screw-ups it's just it's just a fact I, the, I did a story well, last year on judges using Wikipedia to write their opinions. Uh, and there was a story uh, that was a, a study done that found out that not only were they using Wikipedia as a reference source, but they were literally quoting articles verbatim out of Wikipedia. So this this is a step up, I guess, if they're if they're using ChatGPT. <laughs> You know, well, I, I mean, know. is it, it ChatGPT is probably pulling it from Wikipedia? So. Yeah, exactly. Like we yeah, we need to, we, and and this is a theme that we've had from the first ChatGPT lawyer sanction to here. But it it really is just like these people are lazy. Uh, it, it's not that they, it, it's not the technology's fault. It's just a series of lazy people. Whether they're going to Wikipedia or they're use or just trusting ChatGPT, this is a series of people who don't understand. Uh, that we used to have to walk both ways uphill in the snow to get a <laughs> Lexus citation for something, you know? 
Well, I, and, I guess, you know, when you talk about the judiciary, particularly in the United States, you have to sort of distinguish between the federal judiciary, which has a lot of assets. They have law clerks, and but then you you drill down to a lot of the state courts and you have judges that, you know, they don't they don't have people to help them. I mean, they're they're on a shoestring kind of budget. And so and, which, and it it's all work. Oh, yeah, I was going to say, and it gets worse in the U.S. And this for international viewers, you will be shocked about this because it's stupid. In the U.S., half of our judge, uh, half of our judges aren't even real judges. They're just like real doofuses. Lawyers, They're right? doofuses who are running for office on a platform of putting, you know, like uh, some putting the Ten Commandments in front of the church, like it, it, in front of the courthouse. Like we have a I bunch thought, of those kind of people too, and so that's a crucial distinction. Oh, stop! I thought we, that. I, but I what? thought stop we it, appointed. Stop it! Stop I, with the crucial. I, you did it on purpose. I, 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 thought we, I thought we appointed all those people to federal judicial judgeships. Well, good point. Good point. That is that is the new normal. Did you understand? From New York, we have judges that are not lawyers, and well, you know, at the local yeah. level. Really, that, really yeah, that's a whole different bad. thing. Do you think you can probably use Jeffy to help? Write well, like a judge. Do you think you can say write like a judge? Because you know, like they do have a certain distinct way of writing. Presumably, you can tell it to write write in that style. Well, not not only are uh, people who are using AI just showing that they're lazy and not knowing how to walk both ways uphill or whatever that was, uh, th as Joe said, uh, but uh, according to a story Gene picked up on this week, ChatGPT itself is getting kind of lazy. Yeah, I, mean, about that? <laughs> I, I don't know that much about it, but I just read these. There were several stories. One was on Ars Technica about chat GDP was was giving lazy answers and people were speculating that it was having seasonal affective disorder. So I don't know if any of you had used it recently and found a dramatic difference in the results. But I, did any, I didn't use it myself. So I just saw the story. I what, use it all the time in the last few weeks. It will forget after two or three um, comments in what you asked it to do in the first place. It used to go, you could have like 20 questions and a whole discussion with it. And it would remember where it started. Now it has forgotten. It's like becoming senile or something. What, well, what's, Nikki, what's, I have that problem too. So it's not just generative. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what's, what season is it in the cloud? Like I, I, what season would it be? <laughs> It's a global. Oh, it's cloudy. And Go where is Chad? It. Oh, yeah. It's, oh, yeah. It's, it's cloudy. Lack of sun. It's always cloudy. <laughs> Not in Silicon Valley, though. I don't know. Is it any coincidence that all this started when Sam Altman problem started? Uh, fine. Yeah. Uh, you stuck a monkey wrench into it. There was some speculation about that, that it was depressed about his situation. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um. Maybe, maybe it's like certain other programs and it's not really AI. It's just Sam has been sitting there writing answers to everything. <laughs> to get Catherine well, 100 million us. users. <laughs> it's a bit early days, but I speak, I spoke to an IT director in a UK firm who thinks that it's just going to get worse and worse because obviously when, when it first came into our world, it had scraped the entire internet. And as people, you know, issue copyright claims and and fight the use of their their data etc etc or their copy uh his view is that it's just going to rather than getting better and better it's just going to get worse and worse which yeah. i thought was an interesting view uh, so this is a beyond necessarily the confines of this show but this is a thing that's really uh 
like Techter, I know has been on this. Uh, we need, we, we are in the dumbest of all timelines because we live in a world where we need people both in the courts and in legislation to be thinking about how to make this thing work in a good and non-dangerous way. And everybody's instead doing the dumbest possible thing. And among those things is the copy, the way we're thinking about copyright, like the idea that the person who has read a book can't base ideas off the book. Theoretically, if a human did that, we would not call that plagiarism. We would call that like, oh, they were influenced by this book that they had. But because the machine does it so smart, we're treating it as copyright. And so long as we do that, we're going to live in a world where we're going to keep making this thing dumber, despite the fact it's going to be more pervasive. So we're just going to make a really dumb pervasive thing. So really well, you no, know, I I came up. I don't know if the, the rest of you got this, but in the there was an email yesterday about the release of Case Tech's timeline, and in the email, the uh, is it Allie, the PR person, cited the fact that Case Tech's was used to clear half of the backlog in the California Innocence Project, and I thought that was really interesting. Like we we. We're talking all about the bad effects. But when you think of the backlog, the backlogs around the United States in smaller courts, I don't. Th I, I think it would be insane to not think that there weren't genuinely great AI opportunities out there. And I think this is a really wonderful example. Yeah, I covered that back when they first announced when GPT four was out, and they announced that they were helping the California Innocent Project. And I talked with Michael Semanchik, who's you know now has moved on from there with started his own organization. But um, yeah, he was just saying it was just a complete game changer in that regard for things like that, where they just have, I mean, all of these you know wrongful convictions just piles of paper. No one's going to get through. It, and I mean, it's it's really impressive in that regard. I agree, Gene. If if you're arguing there are good uses for generative AI, I'm with you on that. Do you want me to? It's not all bad. It's not all like an apocalypse or anything, is it, Nikki? Like, but you would think that to to read the news. <laughs> well, so this yeah, the story I picked today um, was I really my goal here was to take everyone into. I was thinking just the weekend, but really into the new year <laughs> with a lot of gloom and doom because why not? So um, my story was about it really caught my eye. It was a New York Times article that um, talked about. Um, what do they call it? They call it the uh, P doom factor. Uh, let me put this in the chat real quick. But um, it's <clears throat> and it's apparently this is the what's your sign in Silicon Valley these days? I guess apparently at parties they all walk up to each other and say what's your P doom factor? And the P doom factor is um, <clears throat> they describe it as maps speak for the probability of doom. It's the way some artificial intelligence researchers talk about how likely they believe it is that AI will kill us all or create some other cataclysm that threatens human survival. So like I said, I really wanted to make sure that we all got depressed just like ChatGPT is getting. Um, and uh, according to, um, so some of the things that I thought were so interesting were that this is basically like the pickup line in Silicon Valley at parties. Everyone has knows their PDOOM number. And uh, Jeffrey Hinton, who's a prominent AI researcher who quit Google this year, and began warning about AI risks, recently estimated that if AI was not strongly regulated, there was a 10% chance it would lead to human extinction in the next 30 years. 
<clears throat> and uh, and then the, in the article they ask, there's a lot of obvious follow-up questions. What counts as doom is if only 50% of humans died as a result of AI, is that doom? What if nobody <laughs> died, but we all ended up jobless and miserable and how would AI take over the world anyway? Well, I think we know how AI will take over the world anyway, because we've seen it in Battlestar Galactica. We've seen it in Terminator. The machines already have access to all the things, internet of things at this point. They they could literally just shoot us with our toasters if they wanted to. They could kill all the humans with our toaster ovens. I mean, come on. <laughs> I need to get off this call. <laughs> my, yeah, my toaster is not ballistic, so it, we're, we're okay there. Look, it, it, yeah, I... I I'm actually more interested in this story on another level. Uh, the, so t Silicon Valley people are hooking up. I, I, I'm confused by that. Uh, I'm also confused. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm decidedly not confused by the idea that a bunch of tech bros response to the question is, well, is it really doom if only half the people die? Um, presumably <laughs> uh, the people who keep rejecting them. Uh, yeah. what? Uh, it's just a Marvel movie. It's fine. I mean, you know, yeah, what's, what is what the artificial, I mean, the emotional intelligence <laughs> me right. metric in Silicon Valley? <laughs> I mean, that's a crucial question to answer before we get into this. I love that article, but I'm glad you said that because I was like, what parties are people going to where they're talking about their P-Doom? And then when you said Silicon Valley, I'm like, oh, yeah, that tracks. That makes sense. <laughs> it makes me feel not like it makes me feel like less of a nerd than I thought I was. <laughs> Because that also means they're they're not. It's not like they're going to any of the cool places. Like they're not leaving like Mountain View or whatever. Like they they're not they're not making it all the way into like a club in one in like San Jose or something. <laughs> well, I think it is. I th I think even though it's funny, it's it's an important question because, like I said, if you are a fan of sci-fi, it is an incredible. I mean, the minute this came out, I loved it. But I honestly, I still think this is like the honeymoon phase. And it's just going to go to hell in a handbasket pretty quickly. And that hell in a handbasket could include imminent death for all of us. So happy new year. <laughs> so maybe that's Joe, why Chad GPT is depressed. Did you notice someone just put yeah. table stakes in the chat? <laughs> yeah. Do you have to leave I now? sure did. No, oh, that, that, that was perfect. <laughs> I wanted everyone to add into the chat their P-Doom. I think we should all just throw our P-Doom on the table and we can come back to this and revisit it at some point and see who was right. Wait, I... I okay. Uh, I don't know if we're all we all need to throw our p dooms on the table like that. <laughs> that just sounds like we're gonna get sued. Okay, so that's so what the range is. It's a percentage, so it's one to one hundred, zero to one. But will it drive it's, Bob's Bob's ratings up? I didn't. Did, we, does Joe hate table stakes? Is that what I missed? Somehow I missed. Yeah, that. I mean, so, I mean, look. Had put it in the chat. Table stakes is that we have to have a p doom. Oh. It's crucial. Mm. It, table stakes is that it's crucial to have your P doom worked out before you go <laughs> to a Silicon Valley party. I mean, I'm also super excited for Legal Week because I'm just going to walk up to people at that bar the first night and just start asking everyone what their P doom is. I'm, I'm going to do this. Yeah, that'll, they, and to, that'll work. Yeah. I think I need to wear a different like t shirt every day because I've had so many ideas of just like t shirts to wear. And like one could just be like P doom with a number. <laughs> Joe's company oh, yeah, just arrived good. and immediately turned around and left when they heard what was going on here. My my P <laughs> my P doom is ten percent, and all I got was this lousy T-shirt. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> if only uh, we knew a guy that made T-shirts, Joe. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> we do know a guy who makes T-shirts. Used to anyway. 
All right. Well, before we leave ChatGPT entirely, I, I'm going to. Uh, I did a, a story this week about our our, our friend Raymond Blyde. Blyde. It keeps changing his name. Uh, how he spells his last name. Uh, but he's the guy who has the uh, site Legal Pioneer. He does a lot of data uh, collection and, and uh, site collection in the legal tech space. But he rolled out this kind of interesting thing this week, where he went through and identified. Uh, as many as he could find of people who had created GPTs that were law related in some way. And of course, if you have uh, the chat GPT plus uh, subscription, you can now create your own GPTs. I know Nikki's been playing around with it and creating a, a few. Uh, I don't know if you made them into Raymond's directory or not, but but he found almost 600. Mine were not legal. <laughs> yeah, okay, okay. Yours were related to wine, I'm sure. Uh, he found almost 600 of these uh, legal as he called them legal co-pilots is gps or people created that have something to do with law uh so it's in on one hand it's really kind of interesting to see how people are using this on the other hand it's also kind of scary to see how people are using this and some of them were just like downright weird like like one of them that he's got featured on his front page of his of his uh, directory here is the Agent Aardvark, Guardian of Men's Rights. And when you click on it, it's a GPT that he's... Every one of those people, every one of those people knows their PDU. Every yes, one they, of them. They are, <laughs> but a, this is a persona dedicated to advocating for men's rights, addressing illegal and social issues and providing support and resources to men facing various challenges in today's society. Uh, it, there's lots of weird things like that. I mean, th there are very few actual, very practical or useful uh, uh, GPTs that I could find. Uh, I mean, there's some like a divorce navigator that are sort of based, designed to help answer some very basic questions about, uh, uh, you know, about about family law. I think it was related to a particular state. I forget. Uh, but anyway, it was just, it was really interesting more as just kind of a, uh, you know, if you want to just kind of dive in uh, and, and see how people are using this ability to create these GPTs, um, it, it's kind of interesting. In a, in a sense, the men's rights one is also a divorce navigator uh, in, in its own way. It, 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 it navigates you <laughs> straight, straight to that. It's an express lane. That result. Express, yeah, express. the the, the P incel of the users of that one is very high. P incel, yeah, I like that one. Yeah, incel was sweet. Or wait, no. <laughs> um, and yes, we have a link. I'll give you a link. Um, is that just so, on his website, Bobo? Is that just on his main? I, he asked me to write about that, and I didn't because I was writing. I was doing doing tons of stuff, but it looks it looks really interesting. There's my post on it, and the link is here's the link, direct link to his little thing. <laughs> uh, I mean, you have to have a GPT plus account to use any of them, but I, I mean, as long as you have that, what is it, twenty bucks a month or whatever it is for the GPT. Well, that's account. restricted at the moment. They've got a, they're not allowing people to upgrade. They just reopened it a couple of days ago. They oh, oh yeah. really? I didn't even know that. That's awesome. Yeah, oh. yeah they were over. They were overwhelmed. Oh, it was actually it coincided with the whole OpenAI debacle that um, oh. they. Stop people from upgrading. They said they were overwhelmed, but that's good to hear that they are yeah. back, back on. So they got shut, shut off on started... Dali yesterday. They right. just let everyone start upgrading, and it got crappy. So that that also checks out. <laughs> so before yeah. we move off GPT, do you want me to talk about? Because mine's kind of still. I don't. 
don't want to set people up for thinking that we're moving away and then come back to it. If you want me to talk about So my- I did, th- I th- actually thought we were moving away from GPT with yours. So, okay, so good, we'll go really, to yours. I mean, it's not actually, so So I did, um, I know we're going to do the end of year wrap up. Yeah. Year, but I did, I actually, <laughs> for once, did it on time. And um, I canvassed, because it's been, a, you know, mammoth year, hasn't it? So I thought I'd canvass a few people's opinions um, about some of the milestones and challenges of the year. And one of them was Richard Suskin, um, who, as you know, is always great to chat to. Um, and he was talking about those, there are three, for him, three things about this year that that really sort of jump jump out or we should, we should pay attention to. They are pretty much all... Jenny, I related. Um, so um actually so I suppose it's not chat GPT, but it is Jenny, I related. But so he was saying that um for the first time, and I was gonna segue into something when we were talking about access to justice earlier, but anyway, his three points. So he said the board from for the first time ever, technology is a board level conversation, a properly a board level conversation um in law firms, like whereas obviously they have had some involvement. They might talk about signing off on a practice management system, but generally it's you know been on the peripheries now it's mainstream strategic um and he was saying that uh from an access to justice perspective that there's now opportunities opening up where we can finally see that maybe we will start having a real crack at the at solving the access to justice issue it'll be really interesting to see what next year brings and then the last thing he said which was really interesting was um that the he doesn't think he thinks that law firms are looking at productivity he thinks that they're looking at gen ai in terms of how to use it like we've been talking about a lot of use use cases which is the right thing great but he said he doesn't see an awful lot of firms or businesses really looking at how at long-term disruption and he said it's the innovators dilemma like how soon do you start disrupting your own business um and or do you just leave it and then is it too late but the interesting thing his he said was that the main competitor as far as he can tell is the client um the ai empowered client uh is going to be taking over a lot of the work from law firms i've heard this i've heard other people say it, but it was just really interesting but it was all around gen ai we weren't moving away from it because it was a reflection on 2023 which so <laughs> we talked about nothing but for 2023 i'm not gonna lie yeah, I, th- I think, you know, I think the whole, I think what, what, what Siskin says is about access to justice is true or, or mm-hmm. about the justice gap and all that. But I, I'm still, I, I still think there's a lot of hurdles and impediments to that happening. I mean, I, one, one of the things I, I also wrote about this week, I didn't pick it as a story, but maybe I should have, was this, uh, the Free Law Project launching this new uh, thing to try and open source uh, the whole court docketing and e-filing systems um around the country um you know it's one thing for them to develop an open source platform it's another thing for any courts to adopt it but but i mean the the the, one of the biggest you know we've talked for years and gene i know has talked a lot about this and all of us have talked about the fact that the public doesn't have necessarily have easy access to case law and there's been all sorts of efforts to get the public access to case law but now the same is true of of just court docketing information it it's it's still really hard and really expensive to get access to court docket information and the the pace the federal pacer data i think they said if you want to just download all the federal pacer data it would cost you something like two billion dollars or something crazy like that um and and so you know in order for generative AI to really be um, uh, a, a effective way of, of 
uh, helping to close the justice gap, it, it is going to need we're going to need access to all this data, not just case law and statutes and everything, but also all the docket data and the motions and things things coming out of the trial courts and all of that. And so I think this is really possibly a big first step toward that. And I think I think Suffolk is also working on something to try and open up uh, access to, to dockets and courts. Uh, so I think that's going to be a really critical um, uh, aspect of, of getting the data that we need in order to feed the the generative AI. Would you potentially would you potentially call it crucial? <laughs> oh, I, I think it's crucial. I think it's I think it's I think it's I, I think I think it's definitely crucial. I think it's definitely. I would. I don't, I don't like you anymore, Joe. I used to. I've changed my mind. <laughs> um, I I mean, it's also table stakes. So you know. It you, is can, table stakes. you can use it for for for, for litigants in person <clears throat> who have a ton of um, you know, documents or whatever that they're they're relying on. You can use Gen AI potentially, and I've seen startups in this space doing this already, to create ex to, to sort of to extract the key points and put it into some kind of form that they can submit to court, right? Because obviously, a lot of people are not trained in this. It, to, to to us, it's probably not that hard to kind of scan and say, right, these are the key points, but actually. It's a case of what does it better? What does it better? You know, like, and, and this is the really interesting part of some of the conversations that we're having that we're moving away from this, particularly when it comes to access to justice. Again, that right, it was such a debate over whether this is a right or wrong thing to say. But anyway, we're moving away from perfect to good, right? Is it better than what we've got? Is it better than nothing? And it, and it can already start to extract data and put together a pretty, pretty good. Well, you know, the the company that I'm I've been speaking to, they're they're, they're sort of they're, they're still trialing it. Um, it's a company called Wexler, which is really cool. Um, and um, but yeah, I think there's going to be huge potential, even even with that. I think I agree with your point, Bob, about you know the, having being able to access data and 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 docketing, etc. That's that's critical. But but in, just in terms of their own that what they're doing in their own cases, um, I think it's going to already help as well. Well, also in critical, uh, same thing would be true with public public access to the data because the data is so inconsistent and not well tagged, and there's no normalization. And it would be an opportunity to create normalization and tagging and all sorts of things that would make the the all of the information in aggregate much more useful. Mm -hmm. Along the lines of tech and access to justice, that's just made me think of that. Like, is tech going to solve the access to justice problem or not? Um, and I, I do a legal tech roundup, news story roundup on a LinkedIn occasionally. And one of the articles I included this week was from the ABA journal, Matt Reynolds wrote it. And it talked about, um, I'll put that in the chat, but it talked about whether virtual, how virtual hearings are great and all, but it really only solves the problem for like half of the people in the justice system. The other half don't have like this digital divide. And he's talking about how virtual hearings can be problematic when it comes to the access to justice concept because people don't have the technology to engage in them uh, oftentimes. So I thought that was sort of an interesting angle on that same thing. I just think it's always interesting that everyone seems to pose the question in terms of like, will tech solve the access to justice gap? I'm like, there's room in there. Like, even if it's not solving it, helping it is a good start. I mean, maybe my clearing the very low, backlogs. But... How about throw money at it? Let's put, instead of cut, cutting it constantly, yeah. you know, cutting LSC over and over and over again so it barely exists, how about it gets funded? What about that? But no. Yeah. 
But you're you putting... know, it could do it with fewer. I mean, I think the fun, the amount of funding would be less if it could be automated because you'll need fewer people to process a, a bazillion pages of documents. I mean, I think that I think that it could potentially be a win win. But they'll just cut the funding more instead of keep the funding. Oh, Nikki, there your doom people. score is so high. <laughs> She's the Peter <PDM> Queen. <laughs> But your point, Stephanie, is a good one. It's like, is it is it better than nothing, right? Like, yeah. so, and I'm not saying give people crappy lawyers by any means, but right. there are a lot of steps between where we are and solving the access to justice problem. Addressing a few of them in a good way is a good start. Is what and I'm actually, someone someone earlier in the chat mentioned yeah, medical about Suskind, right? No, Pardon? different. No, so yeah, someone in the chat mentioned the medical profession, oh, and and yeah. we would. We were talking about how, um, you know, in terms of this, that th in the medical profession, you've got peer review. You've got when you introduce new concepts or try new things, you've got peer review, and you've got all kinds of different processes to test things out. And and the, a lot of reform, a lot of new ideas, a lot of new tech in the legal industry. We, you know, obviously it, you you do have some degree of testing, but you haven't got the same kind of really extensive. You know, it's often senior person says we think this is a good idea they'll you know they'll they'll do some testing but it's not the same kind of really deep analytical process peer-driven review and almost we need something more in the legal sector something that mirrors that when we when we're sort of trialing this stuff in the access to justice space so, so we can we can start saying right is it because obviously we don't want to just go well yeah it's a bit crappy but there was nothing before that's not that's you know but is it better does it add value you know we need to sort of start working out is it better? How much better? And, and and I mean, yeah, better than nothing is is better, right? But well, there's an inter interesting. <clears throat> go ahead. No, you go. Uh, there was an interesting, um, I, I think, comment along the lines of whether tech and is going to actually help access to justice, or if it's capitalism has its way and it just reduces, makes everything worse instead of better. Um, Dennis said, "Does everyone?" Dennis Kennedy, "Does ever? How many people think Suskins?" insights are new insights and then uh legal type said especially with all the savings we're going to fill our lives with all kinds of new creative activity i i feel like we've all discovered with technology that there's this <laughs> jetson's idea but what actually ends up happening is they just make us work harder and harder and pay us less and less and i you know i i kind of see the same thing i think that pessimism is accurate i mean i it, it's not it could happen that way but that's not the way it goes it just always goes uh downhill instead of uphill for us well this is point. fundamentally what this is the singularity theory right that there it will always go that way until a certain level of technology happens that flips that script uh and we are not in i mean I, people with very low pdoom scores probably think that this will be that moment we'll see uh but yeah, that, it, that, but that's the whole concept of the singularity, that there is a, an eventual level of tech that will lead to capitalism can't, does not need to further exploit people into new, re, into new functions, but we'll see. This, this year was the 10th anniversary of this report that the Legal Services Corporation did uh, 20... Uh, 13, is that 10 years ago? Uh, on the report of the summit of the use of technology to expand access to justice, which was for its time a really seminal 
report that they did where they kind of put together this group and studied all the ways the technology could help expand access to justice and made very specific recommendations as to things that people should be doing to uh, employ this, not just people, but organizations should be doing. Um, they, they are reconvening that uh, and, and looking to put out a, 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 a new uh, study and a, and a new summit. In January, they're going to meet, uh, bring together people from all over the the country uh, to uh, begin once again to, to study this issue and put together a report. So it'd be interesting to see what they come up with. I, I mean, it, it, it's it's actually, on, on one hand, I, I, I'm really torn on the extent to which we've made much progress. I mean, over the last decade, uh, you know, we have no, no, made nowhere near, I think, the progress that, that people wish we'd made on, on the access to justice front. I mean, if you ask somebody like Jim Sandman, who was some, who was a key to putting out that report a decade ago, the former Legal Services Corporation uh, president, um, you know, I, I think he, he would be the first to admit that we haven't made anywhere near the progress he had hoped we would. But we definitely have have made progress. I mean, the, the justice gap maybe keeps getting bigger, but but maybe that's because the, the way we define legal problems and the kinds of legal complexities that we deal with all the time get more continue to expand. But in terms of being able to provide non you know non lawyers with access to information and, and services and self help resources, I think we've definitely made progress over the past decade. But but so certainly nowhere near what we could have done. And I think this came up, I mean, was it relatively fast? It was a panel a number of us were on together where I was just like, everyone like, kept saying, I was like, everyone keeps using the word potential. And I think potential is the word doing a lot of heavy lifting there. Like these new technologies create a lot of potential to help a lot of this, not fix it again. Like that's why I like their right. word expand. Not We're so far from fixing anything and it's a much bigger problem to fix. I mean, you can address small parts of it. But the potential is there, but like people need to do it. Maybe, I mean, we said like, you know, these low P doom score people, maybe they're the ones that need, are the ones that are actually going to work on fixing parts of it or expanding it, or I don't know, but it's just, I don't know. It doesn't, it doesn't even have to be that radical, right? Like, so, so if you look at the divorce space um, where you, I, where I just wrote about in the UK, this um, online divorce um, platform called Amicable has been bought by one of our big companies, Octopus, which owns all sorts of different things. And they're providing, this is part of their offering. And it, I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of, it, it's radical and it's not right. It's, it's, they've automated a lot of the divorce process. They give you a fixed fee. Trust I probably shouldn't say this in public. When you've been through divorce, it sounds great. It's just like, why didn't I go there? <laughs> and actually, that is a kind of access to justice in itself, right? For the average person. And there's all these new offerings which are actually solving a real problem. And, and that's what we need more of. We don't necessarily need radical stuff. We need stuff that solves everyday problems. And, and the cost is one of the big things, right? Like if you could if you can sort of manage the cost of legal services, I think that that is going to change people's worlds. <laughs> this is a slight change of topic, but um, <laughs> it's related. Uh -oh. <laughs> but no, 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 no. I, you can't wait. <laughs> everyone, when I say, I mean, slight means slight. Uh, so you, you mentioned Jim Sandman, uh, who does, uh, who we saw do an event recently, uh, who... You, uh, he speaks about the importance of access to justice in really good ways, having been on the front lines of it for so long. I feel like 
these kind of legal tech conversations, he's been around. Uh, he's mostly about access to justice proper, but he's been for several years now, like occasionally cropping up at these legal tech things. Uh, I think this is a place where he definitely is going to crop up more because the way in which we define this uh, going forward is going to be very tech focused. And I would just ask future conferences who bring him in to speak about this like he has walk-on music that's just written for him right like why have we never seen him come on to metallica like there's a song <laughs> written for him come on people no not one, the andrew sisters really. hey mr sandman or whatever no i i, I yeah no <laughs> not the andrew sisters yes good good point let's go with metallica <laughs> yeah. but also a, a good backup option Yes. No, I was going to make a baseball analogy, but I don't know if that would go any further. It, it, it would have fit like, cause, well, because it that was Rivera's. Yeah, well, up. no, I know. But I was going to say, I don't know if that would have gone over any better than Metallica. <laughs> <laughs> is this a bit where we all sing? It is with our mics muted. Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, part of the reason that Sandman is always showing up at these conferences to talk about tech is because he believes it is crucial to yeah. the access to justice. See, there we go. Uh, yeah, I mean, I again, like I've seen him at non-tech. Uh, I've seen him at non-tech things talking about access to justice, also. But like, whenever I see him at tech ones, I'm like, oh yeah, this is good, and he should be doing that more, and he should be highlighted more because. He kind of lives in that zone where we kind of wish uh, those of us who want a low P doom wish that AI would go. The kind of sad thing is whenever you go to one of these legal tech conferences and they have a panel on access to justice, it's like the panelists and a couple of people in the audience and everybody else is off having cocktails or something. Nobody yeah. seems even and this has happened at the relativity uh, conference a little better, I think, this year. Uh, um, the thing I went, the Steffi and I went to last week, the TLTF summit, they had a panel on access to justice. Like Cause they always have it as like the last panel of the last day too, right, which is right. like half the people are gone. Cause it's an afterthought. Yeah. Yeah. Also people like if you're, if you instead want to go have cocktails, you know, you could also just have cocktails at the event too. Like you could do both. You can bring well, it together. I just want to point out that. Daniel, Daniel Smallwood posted the the uh, transcript, and it starts out with the kickbacks. Joe, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say kickbacks. That was him. I made a joke about you laundering money through gold bars. <laughs> <laughs> all right. We all ought to use this uh, AI, I guess. Um, I anyway, access to justice doesn't here. really... It doesn't really matter with the apocalypse coming soon anyway. So uh, I don't know what it matters. 100% uh, peace, P doom. Yeah. Yeah. And I avoided my story because I thought it was going to be a downer. And now we've just talked about our doom scores all day. Did we not talk about your story? I didn't put it in the thing because I thought it would oh. be too sad. Somebody I mean, mentioned it. Which one? The one about the. Three minutes. Go ahead. Yeah, the Israeli really startup. Yeah. Did you see in the comments someone? um complimented you on this oh, thank you no i'm, I'm the worst yeah. at comments i I'll, that's my resolution for this show only for the new year is to get better at comments. comments 
Do you want well, to uh, quick, quickly talk about reason. that? Because we, we've got a couple of minutes. Yeah. Um, so, you know, Israel, the startup nation, everyone knows we have, they have a ton of um, startups there and a number of them are legal tech. So I just reached out. I started like organic conversations actually with Rocky Messing from Alterney. We were just, I was emailing with him like, how are you doing? Whatever. And like, I had already had the idea of the right stories. He's like, I'm on a group whatsapp with some people like do you want me to ask them anything so that turned into him getting me comments and then i talked to zach abramowitz and near gone and like it was it's just a i i didn't try to paraphrase them i left it in their own words because i have no business trying to rewrite what they're going through but it was just i mean it's very sobering what they're going through but just the spirit of innovation that is there and like how they're just like we have no choice we have to keep going and like i think it was zach saying zach saying like my biggest driving thing is that i do not ever want a single client to regret having worked from with a company in israel and so like that it's just a very i mean i wanted to write this article and i knew it would be heavy stuff but even just having some of the phone calls like i left them being like almost in tears i'm like i'm not gonna cry in front of them obviously because I'm not the one having the worst day here, but it was, it's, it's a lot. And it's good to actually hear from them. And the reality It's very similar to what, you know, we heard people going through in Kiev and things like that too. The, mm -hmm. the companies there where they're like, I'm on a call or on a zoom and there's sirens and bombs exploding and rocket fire, but it's, um, yeah. So a lot of, a lot of doom there, but not existential. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was great. It was a great, it was a great piece. And I've been great, contacted great by someone who said that there's an a legal tech Israeli, um, it's, it's a group coming to London delegate legal tech Israel legal tech delegation coming to the UK. Oh, I'm, it's quite interesting. interesting. I definitely follow that up. All right. Well. Um. On all those cheery notes, the AI apocalypse and uh, world wars and, and all of that. Um, I feel uh, like you're depressed now, Bob. You seem really down. <laughs> <laughs> you lost all your My P doom no scale just no went way up. <laughs> yeah, there's no good transition there. I'm like, Ugh. I'm like, uh. happy holidays, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> just not feeling it right now i don't know well this will make uh, you really happy to realize it's only a month and a half to legal week <laughs> yeah yeah and it, that's and so i'm going to actually miss part of legal week now because i'm going to go to, i'm going to go to this legal tech this legal uh, services thing i was just talking about the summit uh which happens to happen on the 31st which happens to be what the second or third day of legal yeah, week? Yeah, didn't we didn't we all talk about not going to legal week because we were mad at the people running it? Or no, no. Oh wait, oh, Did we oh. Talk about that? Wait, oh wait, hold on. I had mute off. Hold on. Oh, I'm not, <laughs> <laughs> you not running it. I, 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 you are mistaken. <laughs> fair, fair, fair. I might not be there this year. Next year, I'm really? Sure. Yeah, I'm. I'm not currently due to go, but I'm. I'm relying on my very strong sense of FOMO. <laughs> to make yeah. last minute change of that uh yeah i think i'm just going to go for like a day and then there, we were just talking in the chat before there's another another conference legal conference that same week also it's yeah. it's it, nikki suggested there may be 
may start to be one every every day next year. There's so many legal tech conferences right now. But it, it's like my advent calendar then. Like every day <laughs> you pull out a new, yeah. Yeah, a little <laughs> bottle of Jim Beam in there. In so it was, it like was wild turkey today. Oh, wild turkey, okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> At I least get... somebody has the spirit. That's good. Yeah. My dog has one with dog bones. Oh my god! Exactly. I saw one of those uh, when I went to go pick up some uh, cat food the other day. Yeah. I really like the one, the Nakatomi Tower one, where you know that one is moves it, down every day. There are now several versions of it, and they're all amazing. Yeah, it it has Hans Gruber going down a floor every, every day of Nakatomi Plaza because Christmas isn't Christmas until Hans Gruber has fallen off of Nakatomi right. Plaza. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. R.I.P. Yeah. Alan Rickman. Yeah. Alan good. Rickman. <laughs> well. It's what was the fun. what is the other conference that we could see uh, Lawdroid, right? Right, that was yeah, yeah Lawdroid yep. conference or something. Yeah, okay. But that's Lawdroid, online, so. so people can still go to Legal Week and watch that intermittently, or even speak at it. You know. Yeah. Skills well, as well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you're at Legal Week, you got to be at Legal Week. You can't really do other stuff. Yes. That's my feeling. You got to <laughs> dig it, dive in. I certainly can't. <laughs> <laughs> I'm already drowning. I'm going to have like nothing but legally to talk about for the next month and a half. So, yeah. All right. Yeah. All right. So I guess that we are not going to be here for the next two weeks. So that means we will be back, uh, whatever that is, the first week of uh, January. Probably like uh, the 5th. I think it's like the 5th or something. Yeah. I'm not sure. January 5th, Friday the 5th. Yep. Um, so we can, uh, uh, we'll be back then. We will try and do our year in review uh, if we want to do that that week, unless unless like major legal tech things happen over the next couple of weeks too. We can talk about those as well. Yeah. But can I we do, just put out yeah. a, can we just put out a plea to not make giant announcements for the next two weeks? <laughs> you know, I've tried that. It doesn't work. <laughs> Uh, I went on one time when I was going on vacation. I like put out a thing on my blog saying, "Please, legal tech companies, don't put out any don't well, not, do anything this week." Not <laughs> ever. <laughs> not every announcement needs to be covered, right? Like there, there are minor announcements, and PR people think they're very important, but they don't need to be covered. Like the crucial announcements, though, we can get when they come out. That's I do. I did crucial. last year, though. It inspired. It's almost been a year since Bob wrote his. Twas the night before New Year's poem about me writing that story. So we're almost out of here. Good. I forgot about that. Somebody has to post that. that on their blog. You know, <laughs> I want to see that. All right. Uh, we, we're hearing from the chats that everyone's holding off to legal week anyway. So we're, we're going to be fine. Good. Okay. Good. All right. All right, then. Well, everybody have a good, uh, good holiday season. Happy New Year. And we'll see you in January. Thanks. All right. Happy holidays. Happy holidays, everybody. Bye. Bye.